Hello and welcome to the News Canon Podcast, live from sunny Las Vegas. <laughs> we're near. We're neither live Is nor sunny? from Vegas. We're actually in Dublin no, again, and it's cold. Uh, but I was trying to kind of zhuzh it up a little bit, yeah. kind of give it a bit of you know pizzazz. Uh, speaking of pizzazz, with me this week are Luke and Ronan. What a lineup! My lord, amazing. Um, yes. So uh, you know we'll have the usual stuff today. We'll have uh, some movie news. We might even have a top ten. And we might even have some new releases, but we'll kick off with our usual nonsense, which is what we have watched this week. Luke, what do you got? I've got a few this week. Excellent. Um, I'll start with the best one, which was a first time watch for me, which was Memories of Murder. Oh. Um, Bong Joon-ho's uh, kind of crime yes. thriller, mur- you know, serial killer thriller from 2003. I bought this on DVD about a year and a half ago in Brighton in the second on DVD shop. I was like, oh, I haven't seen this. I'm going to watch this. I have still yet to watch it, but it's on my list. For- I'll for be part. honest. I don't have a big track record with uh, the director or anything like that. This was really, really great. So I heard. You know, um, it's it's a real winner. It's, you know, the it's based off of kind of a very high profile recently resolved case in yeah in I saw South something Korea. about that recently yeah. actually um, they're kind of first high profile serial killer so it's not directly kind of a historical film but it's, it's, it. it's very strongly um, based off of that and it's very interesting in the way that it kind of tells a very linear kind of thriller story kind of like a Zodiac kind of thing but with the police um, but also manages to touch on wider issues and the kind of the damage of this particular case to the kind of the Korean psyche and also how it kind of slots into unrest at that time yeah uh, in the area you know without kind of overdoing that um which is a skill yeah yeah I mean the and it's kind of interesting as well just because of the the tone that it takes the, because it's a very provincial case it starts off you know, Sang or Song Kang Ho, who's you know one of the most frequent. He's, you know, he's one of the known names in, in Korean cinema, I suppose. He is one of the local policemen. He's very kind of sure of himself in that local way, um, but he is completely in and over his head with this case because he's never seen anything like this before. He's kind of yeah. He's got this kind of tough guy thing going on in his own head. He thinks that he can know who solved the crime by staring somebody in the eye. And very rapidly finds out that everything that he considers a skill is of no use in a case like this. Um, very quickly, because more murders start, a you know city slicker detective is brought in from Seoul. They don't get on, and it's it's really interesting to me in the way that it does those kind of standard tropes, which there are plenty in all serial films, but, but it's what you do with them, yeah, exactly, and kind of complicates them, and yeah. the way that it balances how those characters develop and how they get on side and then slip the kind of the other way because the the, de- the detective from Seoul is very you know everything's in the files and they go through the files rigorously and all that and he's like I go on my instincts and they start to kind of trade kind of uh, in a very subtly kind of way and yeah I really enjoyed it the the atmosphere of it is really stunning you know the way that it gets you to 
I mean, it's not a horror, obviously, but what I really like about certain kinds of horror films or certain thrillers is the way that they get you to buy into their particular logic. Yeah. You know, the uh, analogical logic. And very quickly, what happens with the detectives is the sense of dread that they get when the things that they identify as the serial killer's ticks start to happen. So the serial killer always um, commits murders on a rainy day. Um, there's always a song that he sends to the local radio station before he goes out and, and um, murders one of these women. And so anytime something like that happens, the way that the film gets you to go, like, oh, shit, like yeah, it's, it's really, really effective. Yeah, yeah. It's very deft in the way that it uses the actual murders themselves. That's hand, you know That can obviously go very trashy and very wrong. It handles that as sensitively as it needs to and kind of it gives the the victims in this kind of a dignity and kind of a, a regard that that you don't always see which is, which is that, very good i think that ages film very well yeah and, uh, it, and it makes it all the more chilling when they when yeah. they when they do get into it there's a there's a terrifying sequence where again a woman is is kind of walking home it starts to rain so you're like oh my god and just in kind of the distance you see something rise up in the background and it's just it's all in the it's all on screen how the film evokes kind of feeling in you without kind of a laborious kind of script it was really really good well worth well worth I've, a watch i've been as a bit it's been on my watches for an age and i've no real reason that i must accept I, i'll get around to that and just keep forgetting it's, it's on my shelf the, the tone of it is really fascinating because it's it's obviously a harrowing kind of story based yeah. off of real life stuff it's dealing with very difficult to watch kind of uh uh kind of story beats but it can it can pop bits of comedy in there as well kind of the incompetence of the local detectives yeah. kind of can add not levity but kind of a different layer of, of well, understanding kind of, kind of needs that yeah. as well i think yeah you know there's a kind of a running gag where people will fly in from off camera <laughs> to kick people in the chest <laughs> which is kind of bizarre uh, but kind of it communicates really effectively these guys don't know what the hell they're doing they, they kind of have an image in their head of what they should do and it's it's not it. You know? <laughs> this sounds um, great, um, and I've heard nothing but good things from the people I've seen it. It's engaging. It's sensitive. It's it's engrossing. I, I really really enjoy it a lot. Um, and as I say, I, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have seen a lot of like I've not seen the host or. or you should like watch Snowpiercer. I, I, you're famously yeah. not, I not a not. fan. You can't treat me like that. The host is really good. Uh, Snowpiercer is terrible. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Do and then I've been at home a lot over the last week so i've got a lot of netflix movies in um starting again with the the best one which was high flying bird Um, yeah yeah and i've heard mixed things um i really liked it are you au fait with american sport no Okay, but I'm no, a big. I've seen a bit of thing around that. I'm a big, big Soderbergh guy. guy. Oh, yeah. okay. I, 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 I heard it's very much backstage, so there's very little actual basketball. No, there's I actually think, no basketball. No, but it's it's about um, the kind of the thing around it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Andre Holland plays this kind it was of great free, yeah, freewheeling uh, agent at this big agency that's associated with NBA players. There's a strike going on, and you know if they can't get the strike resolved, the agency is going to be under threat and therefore Holland's job is going to be under threat so he's kind of your typical Soderbergh protagonist under the thumb kind of in a, in a corner what's he going to do kind of a thing and I really like Holland is great he kind of has that he fits very seamlessly into that kind of George Clooney 
charm kind of a thing. He worked in uh, on Soderbergh's TV show about the, the Nick, which uh, I Nick. love. Yeah, he is fantastic. Yeah, it, like uh, and this is a very that. different yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, pitched yeah. character to that. Um, in, in in some ways, the way that he kind of every conversation that this character gets into is a way of angling something out of somebody, and kind of it's all you know. This is, good, this is good Soderbergh territory. Yes, and I was very pleased by that because I don't. I mean, Soderbergh is famously prolific. I just don't understand how we can make a movie as good as this and a movie as bad as The Laundromat. I haven't the seen The Laundromat year. either, but I've seen and heard. I won't get too much into The Laundromat. I did not like things. it at all. It looks not great. No. Well, all I can say about The Laundromat, without getting too off topic, is that if you didn't like the bits in the Big Short where characters condescended oh, to you I didn't like the big economic terms uh, full stuff. you probably won't like oh, Jesus. you probably won't like the first scene in the laundromat where Gary Oldman and um, Antonio Banderas explain the concept of money <laughs> finally somebody <laughs> has because uh, I really like to know what the concept is no it's it's not good uh, well I, I didn't <laughs> like it anyway um, you're not the first I've heard for that so. but this really? is a lot more kind of well thought out and what happens with Holland is that he kind of comes across this idea um, which actually even outside of the reality of the film kind of sounds like a very interesting idea of kind of streaming pickup one-on-one games with, between basketball players and yeah, that's a big threat to a big industrial kind of financial complex yeah. like the NBA and all, and all this kind of thing but it's really a lot more focused on a series of one-on-one uh, conversations between various characters uh, like usually involving Holland sometimes they kind of bring different people in and out and it's always really um, interesting to watch okay. the screenplay is by the guy that did uh, Moonlight the, the play of, of, of oh yeah 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 yeah. I can't um, think of his name In the Dark Black Boys Look Blue I, I, I think that's the name of the, the, the play but he did this and it has that kind of back and forth snappy kind of quality to it but in a way that works very well and um, as I say Soderbergh's kind of anti um, anti-capitalist kind of bent works in this a lot better than it does in a film that's more explicit about it than like it's amazing the you, can to, you can go to work for Netflix but, <laughs> but, it, but it's, it's really interesting like it's, it's within it, the kind of it has a more you know personal angle yeah. like Holland is kind of he's got this personal background with, with basketball and it, yeah it really benefits from that you know it's got people like Zazie Beats in it that are used very well in kind of small parts and I, I really enjoyed it a lot worth checking out I'd say well it's, it's one of those things with Netflix films that if I haven't watched it when everybody's talking about it a week after it's been released mm. it gets shuffled way down yeah, the pack yeah, and I'll yeah. eventually yeah. watch it at yeah, some yeah. point but then it's like oh, shit I've missed the window where everybody's talking about it and yeah. it's like I'll get to it at some point but I, and I will the, I, I suppose the only, the only other thing worth mentioning about this one is that it's one of his uh, iPhone movies which I, maybe not I've seen is, saying, is uh, which I had a bit of fun with but I really never want to actually look at it again I, I liked Unsane I know that Unsane was deliberately and conspicuously ugly to yes. watch and it really won itself in that regard yeah um, this is better to look at <laughs> why, know, why, if you're making a film on Netflix why are you making films on iPhone well it actually it kind of it actually fits with the, it's function fitting form in a sense because a lot of the story is about the kind of very modern you know everyone's got phones everyone's got a camera you know that's kind of why the 
pick up the streaming angle comes okay. into it because it's like what are the players going to do when they're yeah, on strike you know. they're, they're tweeting at each other they're getting into rails people filming it, it it kind of fits in that it way does, and it's a lot I will say it's a lot better to watch will we will we, we look at it in 10 years time and go what was he thinking there like like, because a lot of the tech kind of stuff... In 10 years time, Soderbergh will be doing some other match. Well, that's shit. true, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Fair point, fair point. Oh, we'll have two more retirements in by then. And, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 500 more films. Yeah, yeah. It was good, though. I liked it. Um, The other two that I've got... Uh, the first one is a horror on, on Netflix. Kind of a, a cheap and cheerful one. Uh, Eli. Um, I've also watched this. Yeah. Uh, so we can, uh, we can, we can trade insults slash... Uh, <laughs> slash kind of good word. Um, yeah, this is directed by Kieran Foy. Yes, of um, uh, Citadel and Sinister Two fame. Or fame is probably not. Hasn't crossed my desk. I didn't. I didn't yeah, um, I I I kind of got through it, and I was a bit. I wasn't that mad about it, and then mm. kind of the more I gave, um, the more I thought about it, the more kind of around to it I came. I think it's I, solid. I liked it, yeah. um, and in a three to three and a half star kind of way, because and there's a couple of things on it think I'm, i i might have an idea where you're coming from that it's set up as a thing yeah and does something else but but what i kind of really liked about it is that it leans very much into what the other thing is and becomes the pulpy film it really wants that's, to be that's the thing this is right? kind of a, a and it's perfect for on my home it's yeah. it's the October, first hour is kind of like your you standard know. tropey um, it's a kid in a haunted thing. house yeah, kind yeah. of thing, and it, it's that. And the film seems to be just that. I had I didn't read anything about it before going in, so I didn't know anything yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, the last third is is something different, and how much you'll enjoy it, it'll probably how much you buy into the kind of what it's doing. Yeah, I think it's doing it quite well. I'm I'm famously terrible at guessing kind of things where people go, how did you not see that? It's obviously like I'm terrible at it. and I'm glad I'm terrible at it because I, I, I find I enjoy the kind of more genre stuff much more when they pull twists that I'll never see. Even everybody else sees them all the time. I'm happy to not see them. Yeah, you know that kind yeah. of way? And it does pull that rug pretty well. So I, I think it did as well. It's, um, a, it's a young boy with a kind of mysterious disease. He can't be out in kind of Kind of in years, like a hazmat suit you know, kind of point of bubble type thing. So he's going to get cured in a medical facility, which is also in a haunted house. Well, um, yeah, it used to be <laughs> something or other. And now yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And being forensically kind of scrubbed. And, so they're they're doing medical treatments on him. He grows to distrust the the people involved. Um, which has a brilliant Lily Taylor who's immediately distrustful in a yeah, nurse ratchet type. She's, uh, she's, doing, she's great. I she's so instantly distrustful. You know she's <laughs> you know. doing up to no good somewhere along the way. And um, Kelly Riley, is it? Yes, yeah, who's the his... daughter of uh, Brenda Gleeson in Calgary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's um, actually really good here. She, Yeah, her kind of relationship with her son actually gives this film a lot because it is I'd very agree. standard. Yeah, no, it is. Kind of yeah, 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 yeah. The, the ghosts aren't particularly imaginatively designed. No, I, the scares aren't particularly imaginatively designed. No, they're generic enough. The th- one of the things that I was kind of frustrated with is that there is little atmosphere in this for a haunted house movie. Like, the house itself isn't particularly but, creepy to, to watch. Well, I think they try to do, and I think yeah. I, I there's kinda, a hermetically I kinda, sealed kind of yeah. airless kind of thing to it, which doesn't help a lot for atmosphere but I think there's a team fitting there and I I, I kind of gave it a bit more leeway because I was like yeah. this is obviously a low budget yeah, yeah. thing 
you know. But, I, uh, I but think Riley works. gives it that very yeah, human element that, that yeah. keeps it going on because there's in his kind of, you know, I, I'm scared and I, I don't know who I can trust. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on underneath that about how parents deal with very sick children and how they kind of have to put a, a brave face on things or present things in a certain way. Yeah. She does a really good job of keeping that kind of emotional element in there. And yeah, it, it kind of gets to a certain point. It pulls the rug in a kind of an, a quite unexpected way. I would agree. And I'm glad it's not just me then. Once it gets to that uh, point, it sees that true very well. I think it does. I, I, I commit yeah. completely. So it's it's a solid kind of spooky story ending yeah. on it was a one of those kind of twist kind night of thing. in type things yeah, that I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to watch two or three of of a Saturday night yeah um, and you kind of you fit them in it's kind of yeah it's a 90 minutes not fucking around kind of thing which solid I like. a yeah, solid yeah. three star you know it is yeah I agree and then the last one I've got which I also gave three stars is uh, El Camino the uh, the Breaking Bad thing which I know you didn't like I did not give it three yeah, stars yeah. Uh, for various reasons but go on it's like it's solid i would say it's um it's not trying to do too much you know it kind of <laughs> you wonder how much contractual obligation is involved here. i would that's exactly my point of it like it's, it seems unnecessary not in the sense of the story but unnecessary in the sense of why are we back here like yeah do you know yeah. like i mean you can make a film and anything i don't really mind i want to see more of something or whatever i think to my mind it was just fatally imbalanced by the fact that it's unnecessary. I know just the fact as well that it's Aaron Paul on his jack for most of the film and the balance in Breaking Bad which was struck really beautifully was the two of them kind of yeah, yin and yeah, yang yeah. against each other. Without Brian Cranston there it feels like half a story to me. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? And Yeah. I can, look, I can see that it's well shot it, it's well thought out in the way that uh, Gilligan stuff can be and is yeah, and yeah. like he's very clear where he wants but he wears his camera and all the rest of it and from I would say from, some really good sequences from, in. yeah from that side of things everyone kind of fits seamlessly back into this yeah. obviously they've been doing Better Call Saul and that well, and it, which is much much better yeah. and much more involving much more purposeful yeah, 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 purposeful purposeful things exactly the point like. yeah um, like Gilligan he's a very blunt visual kind of uh, but he knows uh, he, yeah yeah he knows what he wants to see and he, and every to to this film's kind of favor, I think every fi- every shot carries that same kind of wry and purposeful um, use, you know, and it kind of car- carries you through. Matt's obviously was writing about the film, and he said, like, I think he quite liked it. But he's saying, like, what he likes about Gilligan is that as a director, he placing the camera either further away, near moving it for particular reasons yeah regardless of anything he's a director that knows what he wants to see and he's telling the story visually yeah which and and break about it would obviously suggest that and i'd appreciate that about it there's very showy bits in this there's there a are. scene where um jesse like there's an overhead shot of him kind of and it, it speeds up i mean if you watch break about you've seen yeah. a variation of that there's yeah. you know there's a lot of that but um even in the way that the film uses things like flashback you kind of wordlessly get contrast between where that character is now and where he was in different points of of the kind of the show's run. Yes, you, you know it kind of the the, only... the 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 flashbacks are obviously very fan servicey, but they're also I think they're more purposeful than than they could have been. I I do probably agree to some point, but what the only thing I'll say there's a couple of extended flashbacks around kind of being held somewhere that you know 
clearly like you know the outcome of this yeah, yeah. so why are we 20 minutes here like I know like Jesse Plemons as much as the next man now <laughs> I was very happy to see Jesse Plemons as am I in, in practically this, everything because um, he's fun and he's deadpan in that way that most actors aren't and you get a lot of time with that character which I appreciate because and me too he, I think um, Todd from the kind of the last I think it's the last season he comes in of Breaking Bad he's one of my favourite characters in that show because I, I really like it's him. pitched for so long uh, as this very you know uh, arch kind of morality like a western kind of yeah. every everyone has a very specific moral compass for good or bad yeah. usually bad <laughs> as, yeah. as you would imagine from the title um, and then this complete alien, <laughs> moral freak, kind of comes in with no clear sense of right or wrong, and no real ambition, and no real and no real moral inner anyway, or well, an no inner, real inner life at all. No, it would seem. No, and, and this extends that. Yeah, very clearly. Yeah, and I've really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that you get with that character. I enjoyed it too. I it, just, but it's you know superfluous. Yeah, in, in the way that irked me. But I can see if you're going along with it, it's fine. Like, there's nothing abstractly wrong with it. It's kind except of, it just irked me a little bit because I didn't, I don't know why I'm watching it. It's kind of you know Sherlock Holmes never fell off the waterfall here. He's he rides again. It's, yeah, it's I just that's uh, it. It's fine. Me. But I, I can I, I can understand the enjoyment, and there are some really good sequences in it, yeah, yeah. and some really good things to enjoy. Yeah, I just don't didn't know why I was watching it. Yeah, beyond that, I was there and I'm watching it. I I mean I imagine it exists because Breaking Bad does well in the algorithm and well know, I mean Breaking Bad they, probably they pushed Netflix keep, on and of course yeah, Brad yeah, Breaking yeah. Bad on there's a symbiotic thing when that went on to Netflix yeah, famously yeah. Kind of shot up for both of them yeah and I think they keep Gilligan sweet they, they yeah. bump themselves up for a week and yeah. but I, I did enjoy it I yeah no, fair enough so worth a go uh, so that's me basically excellent Ronan what do you got uh, so I'll start with two new releases that haven't cracked the top ten, but certainly worthy of talking about. Of all the, you go to see two new releases and not well, a fucking sign of them in the top ten. What? To cover the scraps commercially. You were so our trooper, pay, This is why you pay me so well. I presume uh, the Joker's not one then. No. Ah, very much. So next weekend. Very much. Maybe once it drops to eleven. <laughs> all right, fair enough. In twenty weeks you know, from this now. This is my realm. Excellent. Um, I saw The Last Black Man in San Francisco which has done really well since premiering at Sundance this is a first time feature by Joe Talbot starring uh, Jimmy Phelps who co-wrote it uh, and plays uh, a version of himself uh, I believe there's an element of autobiographical truth to it the story is that he is a young black man in San Francisco who is sort of surreptitiously upkeeping a house his grandfather built um, in the heart of San Francisco he has been pushed out of it for reasons that are never really dwelt on too much but his okay. family has been sort of pushed to the margins it's very much a story about gentrification the way the, the Bay Area has changed um, this story of uh, very much racial tension there's a fabulous opening sequence where uh, we open on uh, the face of a black girl who's staring up the camera's looking down on her and then it cuts to the reverse shot of a white face in a hazmat suit hmm. and they're cleaning up uh, massive pollution in the bay itself but these kids are playing around it completely unprotected very much a story of how there's something toxic it's a, it's a pretty clear allegory uh, really really interesting stuff in here as I say about gentrification um, it's wildly ambitious the, uh, 
the visual style is really terrific. Uh, it's produced by A24 and Plan B, uh, and I think it's definitely the kind of thing that the success of Moonlight has opened up space for. This is very much operating in that space. Okay. Um, I liked it a lot, but not massively. It has clear drawbacks that come, I think, from Talbot being a first-time director. Uh, in a lot of cases, he will sort of he'll bring up all these ideas of gentrification and class and he does it in a nice subtle way that sort of invites consideration of them but he doesn't dig down into it as much as I would like often uh, it operates with a lot of stereotypes so there is this peripheral character played by Jonathan Majors and he's really really terrific um, he's the, the friend of uh, Jimmy Fails um, who uh, Jimmy has been living with um, they're they're living with his grandfather, played by um, Danny Glover, in a really really good performance as well. Probably uh, something to do with the production as well. I'd say yeah, he yeah, tends yeah. to kind of seen him producing a few things. Yeah, actually. yeah, absolutely. He's he's really the heart of the production. There you get some fantastic scenes. He, the best scene in the film by far is him. Uh, Danny Glover is blind in this film. Uh, his grandson really excitedly describing to him the film that they're watching on TV. Uh, it's a really weirdly moving scene. Um, the film is full of these there are some kind of incredible moments but it doesn't quite congeal and it deals a lot with uh, stereotypes of black characters um, that it sort of invokes and then in its resolution it seems a little cheap and easy sometimes because the archetypes it's invoking are a little cheap and easy. You know, characters are brought up in a way that they uh, they don't have much dimension to them, so their you know their their struggle is easily solved because they didn't feel real as a character to yeah. necessarily. Um, I do think it's very very impressive, and there's a lot in here that I was you know staring at the screen and awe at. I think we've got potentially a major new talent here and a couple of films down the road hopefully it'll it'll blossom into something amazing excellent um, definitely potentially that was great though the first film like yeah, if you see yeah, something yeah. That's, even if it's a well, bit to, raw or to whatever to make like. this as your first film is remarkable yeah, yeah and you can be forgiven the handful of flaws that are here because overall it's it's really moving it's quite quite singular you know there's there's not much in cinemas like this now uh, and I do admire that a lot I hope to get to that this week. Actually, it won't necessarily turn up in my best of the year list, but um, I wouldn't begrudge anyone else putting in theirs. To be honest. Uh, also, we had Manos, the Colombian film by Alejandro Landes. Ah, yes. Um, this is his third feature. His his previous two haven't really made much of an impact. This, this is making a bit of an impact. Yeah, very uh, well on the festival circuit. Really easy to see why it is gorgeously shot. It's the story of a bunch of child soldiers who are operating as a sort of little guerrilla unit in a war that is never directly invoked the actual politics and uh, and everything of it uh they don't get into it whatsoever i mean presumably based on the production you can imagine that this is set in colombia but they never say anything about for obvious it's, reasons yes, that yeah, can absolutely. be that has know. a sort of a, a kind of universal this this applies to a lot of countries um but they at the beginning of the film they are operating as this little unit on a mountaintop and it is completely surrounded by cloud and there are some astonishing shots of their commander who arrives over the hillside suddenly on a horse 
and disappears again into the clouds and it's shot from a very long distance and just this a man on a horse silhouette descending into the clouds absolutely phenomenal see this on a big screen really really do um that aspect of it is truly incredible and there is a lot of visual stuff there that completely won me over a lot of sound design because they do eventually descend into the jungle general story i should say is um they are in charge of a hostage and given a cow which has been donated to them by a sort of um a sympathizer who wants to support their efforts um and you never quite know what their efforts are which which i really do like about it it's it's a bit of ambigu ambiguous in that in that yeah child soldiers probably aren't thinking about the no picture no they're um, not probably they they've been put in charge of the hostage and the cow and they have to protect it and then through various events that transpire they have to descend into the jungle and the film very much changes the the immediate as the immediate surroundings change the the tone the pace changes it's carried out quite well my issue is that a lot of what happens the sort of dynamics between the group are kind of typical of a lot of teen movies and I think this is what the film is going for in contrasting that that you know uh, it's who's sleeping with who and they, they end up having some drugs and all that sort of thing it seemed a little totally disparate for me it didn't entirely work mm. um, very very impressive in many ways yeah, but didn't entirely hang together Okay, um, I think there's a lot here to admire absolutely the cinema looked incredible uh the score also is by uh oh i'll mess up the pronunciation here is it mike and levi, mike and levi? Oh, i would say mika, mika. Levi. Yeah. Mika levi um it's a fabulous score it like uses all this sort of industrial sounds as she does it's gorgeous she does amazing it's uh, really scores. really good worth seeing slash hearing for that alone yeah go to the cinema close your eyes if you want i mean don't give it some images yeah um Again, not going to show up my end of year list, but I was really taken with it in many ways. Okay. Uh, she's a handy segue, actually, Mika Levi. Is that what, is that what you're Mika? Yeah, we're, going, we're landing on Mika. Uh, I did watch the new Glazer short, The Fall, which sort of premiered out of the blue in BBC Two with no fanfare. I like the idea of that, like uh, just yeah. dropping it on TV yeah. without any kind of titles or anything. It or feels very much catered to the way we talk about things. You know, if it doesn't exist in a moment then it kind of gets forgotten because you need a bulk of people particularly of five minute shorts yeah, which yeah, is, so you know and nobody's really you know, nobody in tv is used to watching short like what the hell was on yeah. bbc too and so yeah. everybody's talking about it i like this a bit not massively like it's it's great on atmospherics but it seems to me very it's both plot driven and not plot driven and that it sets up a plot that it doesn't really answer and i saw some people talking about it saying oh is this like an excerpt from something he's doing it, it it, it's not that it has a it's not that it has a proof concept for you, but it does yeah, feels like um yeah, yeah. it's more feels like that glazer stretching his legs towards yes. um yeah, yeah. a production coming yeah. a he's looking been, production he's, he's made a film at holocaust next year ages and, he wants to and get it feels like he's camera. just getting a few yeah. things out and working some things out yeah. so he thought let's fuck about here and do a little yeah. short and that's fair enough yeah. um i think the more john the glazer work we get is probably a good thing well yeah that's fair. um because we haven't got a lot over the years yeah and so um, there's probably more ads than films um yeah, so the score is very good yeah it's got very sort of it's, it's got a tension built into its visuals to begin with only because I'd, I'd probably agree with everything you said except that it made me anxious in the way that jonathan glazer yeah. films tend to make me anxious um pretty much all the time and you know it, it feels like you know glazer 
joint, uh, if you will. Like so, sure. yeah. I mean, it, it's all too brief and yeah. not quite enough in it. Yeah, it's a quick shot. But uh, but I kind of liked it regardless. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, was back in the cinema a couple of times for older films. The Haunting at the Lighthouse, the uh, Robert Wise film based on the Haunting of Hill House, which has been adapted multiple times over the years. Most recently by Netflix, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, as a I've one season. It's good. Uh, it is, yeah. I like um, it. I'd never seen this before. Uh, so, really, really great treat to see it for the first time on the big screen. And it's great fun. It's genuinely quite creepy. There are a lot of effects that are quite startling for the 60s. Really impressed by the camera work here, which is very atypical for American horror cinema. We certainly yeah. early 60s and 63. Um, a lot of sort of bulging doors that almost put me Which in I always liked those kind of stuff, yeah. You get, you get later in um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the sort of Freddy coming through the wall, the idea of, you know, the room closing in around you. And always breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, hooked on some really really good performances and there is in the background of it this whole idea of cultural anxiety of people who don't quite fit within society that would burst out in the mainstream in American cinema about five years later a um, lot of really interesting stuff going on with internal monologues um, how the, you know, the real fear is inside your head and I like that you can read it any way you like there's nothing in it that necessarily says there is a supernatural presence in this it's really good I really like this. My only complaint is that the fucking audience were like laughing at loads of bits, but just because it's own, horror in particular gets that. It does a lot. We've kind of been brought up to see anything that's black and white and creaks and yeah. zooms. Yeah, 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 I saw the uh, the Exorcist when it was finally shown the cinema here. Year uh, T laughed at the Exorcist. And yeah, 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 yeah. The um. It's really weird. It it's an it's an uncomfortable thing. It's like mm. if if something is outside your kind of your standard comfort zone, there's a tendency yeah. to giggle. I don't think it's mean spirit as such, but it but it's an odd one though. And I think that, it's exactly the thing that horror and comedy are genres that are much closer together yeah. than is often yeah. acknowledged. That 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 kind of visceral reaction of sort of involuntary outburst comes from those two genres. It's funny. A couple of weeks ago, I saw an old horror, uh, The Sentinel, which was directed by the um, Death Wish guy. And obviously, off the back of the success of... Um, this is Michael Winner? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, obviously, off the back of the success of kind of those... Do whatever you want. ...70s kind of horrors. <laughs> Which nobody should ever say to Michael Winner, but... still playing around with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. Uh, that older kind of, this is how horror movies are done. And kind of clunky, but it was, it was a very interesting uh, watch. And everyone is fucking in it. <laughs> Chris Sarandon Ava Gardner Jeff Goldblum it's like at the time it's not an all star but if you look at it from certain yeah, 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 yeah. it's kind yeah. of full of names uh, also a big screen this week and a first time watch and my god am I glad I saw it this way with a live score Koyanis Katsi um, saw this at the MCH it was due to be performed by Philip Glass and his band but he was unfortunately taken ill. The hangover. The, the, the hangover. <laughs> well, the previous yeah. night, yeah, he had played a four-hour set. Yeah. It was just astonishing for a man of his age. Um, so he unfortunately was not there for it, but his uh, his band carried on regardless. This is really something. Um, this sort of formative essay film, again, 1983, yeah. Um, but it, the, the rhythm of it, pace of it and I think the setup obviously it was more pitched as a concert than a film yeah and given the setting it was shown in the concert hall and their screen setup I'd say isn't particularly great 
it's a relatively small screen. Um, so the the music really was at the center of this, and okay. it was especially loud that made it very very intense. Um, I absolutely adored this. Uh, the way it gets into the sort of the birth and the harm of capitalism, the system we have similar ourselves to, and it's really, really fascinating in the context of uh, it's very much of its time. You get all these uh, shots of uh, business people and office workers going about their day looking very, very, very 80s, but it's still quite timely. You know, the, we haven't changed that much since then. Obviously, tech has taken over to a massive extent, but it principles still, of capitalism are I still there, yeah, there, yeah. yeah i recognize the world and this was at the point where we were just getting into that stage of sort of accelerated late capitalism so 30 36 years later um it's kind of terrifyingly prophetic um it was a real real sensory experience for me um i adored it and the kind of thing where i don't know if i ever want to watch it again in a situation where it isn't on a big screen and blaring in my ears it was very loud that really <laughs> helped Phil Goss' score is incredible um, yeah he does he does amazing scores I have to say and it's uh, you know the entire film hinges around obviously there's no dialogue whatsoever it's all about creating rhythm through music use of image everything and when it you know when it suddenly stopped from extraordinarily fast pitched to slowing down a lot leaves you breathless I adore this I remember back in was it 2011 Samsara came out uh, yeah. In that region, anyway, I had never seen any of these or uh, Baraka, the previous one. I still haven't seen any of them. Um, I just to, for records. I, d I hadn't seen any of them at all. Samsara came out in the cinemas, and I heard good thing, and I really, really liked it. It's it, you know, very much SA film, great score, um, but it's in hindsight, having now seen this, it has a real we are the world naivety about it that this this much more uses the form of cinema in terms of the sound of that score and the rhythm of the editing to you know really make concise effective points oh my god I adore this film experience of the week oh absolutely and one more really quickly I know you certainly are a big fan of this Old Joy I rewatched yes um, my favourite Kelly Riker film I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I actually, I don't know having now rewatched it because I've seen it a few times, but it's been a while. Um, I might prefer Wendy and Lucy, just because of the dog effect. Dogs get me. There's Every single god time. And in fact, it's the same dog. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. Kelly it's the Kelly Rickard universe. It's uh, shared universe, which I can't um, imagine would make as much money as Marvel, but who knows? This is so so good. The Olatenga score that just gives you this real sense of calm and nothing whatsoever happens it's There's no sad and lonely and it's, strange it's this sense of a friend you've lost connections with and that maybe deep down you don't mind having lost connections with that your life has splintered off in a different way you see a reflection of the person you used to be reflection of the person you still could be do you still want to be that person it is so quiet and meditative it's seven minutes long make more 75 minutes oh stop people. I dream of 75 minutes I dream in 75 minutes chunks yeah um, this yeah. film is perfect yeah I love it I absolutely love it Fabulous. I watched it last year or the year before for the first time and it knocked me sideways yeah, I was obsessed by it yeah. 
Amazing. Amazing. Watch it a hundred times and again. It wouldn't take too long. Her ability to do so much with so little, you, you kind of, you start to go, do films need that much plot, really? They don't, money. usually. Do they need that much money? <laughs> to, uh, to evoke that depth of feeling with, yeah. with, without having to go, and then this is what happened. You kind of leave yeah. it to yourself, yeah, yeah. and it's much there's much more relationship with the audience that way. Yeah. It's yeah. great. You right don't need to see him walk back in afterwards and go home to his wife. You know that, you know, all the things that are going to be running through his mind. Yeah. And you don't need to see that scene to know that's even happening. E- economy of a uh, story. Mm. She's one of the best at it. Um, amazing amazing filmmaker that you that's me okay uh, I've watched a few this week um, Luke alluded to it earlier with uh, Eli I've watched, I've watched a few horrors including Eli it um, is the season it is indeed the season uh, but I hadn't really done much up till this weekend I've been a bank holiday weekend and coming up to the time it seemed like I uh, see where we can find some kind of newish ones and for, for the most part really good um, I really liked Eli as I said earlier um, I watched uh, Summer of 84 which a few people had recommended it, which came out in 2018, which I think is a Canadian film, uh, literally set in 84, uh, about a group of teenagers who suspect that a serial killer roaming the, the kind of county is one of the kids' next-door neighbour. So they kind of spend the summer kind of watching him with various binoculars, following him on bikes and stuff. And But what's kind of interesting about it is that for about two thirds of its running time, it has this kind of Stranger Things vibe, which can be a bit irksome on occasion. You know, like you know, we're in the eighties. You know, we know because we've just told you we're. It's not as bad as that, and the kids are a little older, so it's not quite that level of right. quirk. But it's approaching that, um, and you kind of go, "All right, I'm enjoying this. It's not a bad story, etc., etc." But nothing really interesting as such that kind of grabs you. But the kind of the kind of third act becomes something a little darker and more interesting with a kind of weird tinge of blue velvet of all things Ooh. in that kind of horror in the suburb kind of thing and it commits to it in in a way that I was I found unexpected um, and welcoming in a film that's kind of essentially about the loss of innocence and the kind of idea that you know the world that people tell you is safe it's not um, and I kind of like that the cast are really good they're kind of unknown I think uh, for the most part um, and there's a real kind of uncertainty to the ending it's like yeah we've reached a kind of conclusion in the plot point aspects of it but after that people are left a little kind of the hell was that and I kind of like that it, it's an unusual kind of feel to it um, and like it's it's worth committing to even if the first kind of bit doesn't grab you um, but I and the word I, I kind of went to look and see what people were talking about because I'd seen a couple of people talking about Twitter saying they really liked it I'd yeah. never even heard of it um, interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah it seems to be pretty well liked which yeah I, I can see it do you know I can see why they did it it, it works and I, for a while I was like yeah I'm not sure but yeah it does um, yeah fun I would I would recommend um, I also watched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark yeah which I've heard a lot of very good things um, about which I kind of like this it's kind of a Similarly, in a way, it's like a, a young people who visit this haunted house kind of place in the middle of town uh, who find a book. And in the book is a kind of historical kind of link to what would have happened, say, a hundred and something years back to a character. And then it's about the kind of stories on the page and new stories possibly on the page and how they're written. And it's really reflective, reflexive about kind of 
how kind of almost like short films are done, you know, the kind of anthology kind of things, yeah. even though they're not yeah. quite anthology. Like a like, Tales from the Crypt kind of a... Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. but it's, it, it, it's kind of, it's a fully flowing three-act film, but it's almost kind of showing you this, we could make this self-contained if we wanted to kind of uh, element okay. to it. And it, and it works quite well in that regard. Um, it's kind of a little uneven in the way these things, some things work slightly better than others, mm. but that's kind of okay. Uh, but it has a really interesting structure and there's there's kind of creature designs in it and fun to be had at that as well which are done really well particularly in the kind of CGI level stuff you'd expect to be and you're right when you said earlier it's like there's no sense madness why this was released the time it was released it should have been like released this week yeah uh, and it would have played perfectly with it off um, it has this kind of political underlying political thing going on it's set in the kind of 70s so it's Nixon kind of era of Vietnam and it kind of it makes it a bit of a really strained effort to link the kind of what's going on and it doesn't really it, 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 scary it, enough on yeah own. no exactly I mean <laughs> yeah it, but it, it, it does strain a little bit to kind of like you know the horrors are local and international or whatever but that doesn't quite work but plenty to recommend in it I would say um, and some you know really good stuff in it not brilliant but good uh, I watched Goosebumps in 2015 uh, Luke has given me the kind of smile that Kind of scares me. You know, I, I liked it. It's, it's not great. It's what I'd call an enjoyable romp. It is of a an romp. early Saturday <laughs> evening uh, kind of six thirty. But that's exactly what the, the those those books. Yeah, are. I, I I haven't read a book of these. Um, it kind of aims for a kind of a slightly junior Joe Dante kind of a uh, vibe. Yeah, and it almost gets there. Like it doesn't quite commit to that as much as it wants to, but it's it's pitching for something in and around that era and that's fine uh, I think it works really well in that regard um, like the bar Jack Black's weird accent the cast are good and uh, I kind of like the what, what accent is he doing a bad one a bad one yeah it's <laughs> it's more of a kind of I'm a writer so I have to it's pronounce got, a certain no, way it's, it's got it's, nothing to do with how Orel because he's playing Orel Stein like a fictional version of Orel Stein yeah yeah. but it's got nothing to do with what Orlstein he's just done like, what he thinks writers in a certain yeah. part of America who sound sort of English it's like Jack right. Black's Garth Marenghi it's yeah it doesn't quite work <laughs> you sold me on this but it, it is fun like it's a kind of younger kids kind of horror comedy kind of thing and it's like, sure. it's an amiable 90 minutes I kind of enjoyed it. it it's definitely like Dante is as good an influence to have on something oh like I mean absolutely anyway. I mean as is, if, it, if it doesn't hit Dante levels what does and to, to, to have an influence and to try to work towards it is not something that these no, absolutely films not. and the filmmakers that get that get them always kind of go for and I'm aware there's a sequel which I have not seen I've not seen that I don't even I haven't read that better, but, but I'll it's, probably watch and report back it's a fun kind of Saturday afternoon yeah yeah uh, exactly and there's you watch. know there's worse things speaking of uh, remakes reboots etc I watched New Child's Play. Oh, okay. Has anybody seen this? No, no, no. Okay. Well, you're not. You're not of an age, probably. Uh, I, I was of an age of Child's Play, back in the olden days, getting on video, etc., etc. Mm. I'm a hundred years old. Um, so, I hadn't really heard anything about this as such, uh, except that Mark Hamill was doing the voice. Um, yeah, because it's Brad. Brad Dorif who did it as in the original Chucky, um, and Arby Plaza. And Brian Terry Henry are the main kind of actors in it. Anyway, like I'm both. Mad on <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, this is actually really good. Uh, shockingly, I was expecting wow. it to be kind of shit. 
So it's like I'll give it a go, but I'm not expecting anything. And yeah. the fact that I didn't expect anything perhaps maybe made me feel a bit mm-hmm. more. But it it does this thing like if if you know what a child's play the whole kind of you know eighties kind of um furore about the like the Jamie Bolger killings and the kind of influence of the nasties and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. It, it's it's locked moral up in this panic, kind of moral panic yeah. stuff. And what what I really like about the new child's play thing is it starts off and really really takes aim at the kind of uh like what are we going to do in 2019 what what why does it all like this and it connects it all to kind of the evil is essentially alexa for want of a better word and the internet of things and connectivity and uh workers and factories being unhappy about and sabotaging <laughs> products oh, and uh, which i found really interesting yeah no exactly that and it, it adds a certain which is what our that's what our moral panic however accurately is about oh uh, uh, yeah so absolutely it's, but it but it smartly it's an does it idea, and, yeah. and it and it does it quite deftly and quite quickly it's not something that layers on it that's actually smart about it okay and even throughout the film then the, the tech aspects of it work quite well in that regard like it's like you know, kids don't play with toys it, anymore. No, well, indeed. They do be on damn phones. But the, 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 the doll is like, you know, because it, you know, it can respond to you because it's learning and stuff like that. It's that kind of element. Right, to it. okay. It's like, see, Teddy Ruxpin in 1985 or whatever. But um, it works. And um, I like that kind of source of evil. I'm, I'm absolutely happy, happy with that. Uh, Hamill does good voice work. He's, he's, he's done the stuff with yeah. uh, Batman animated series and stuff. He knows how to knock a voice out, no bother. And a creepy voice as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the gore is, when it comes, is suitably brutal in a proper way. Is Brian Terry, like, are they, are him and Arby Plaza doing a lot? Or is um, it just, we got to get names in there? Arby Plaza is the mother of the son who's okay. uh, in the house that gets it all. And uh, Brian Terry Henry is the the son of a neighbor and he's a cop. So they it all kind of comes together. Right, right. She works in a dick toy store and where uh, they they did they get something to do. It's yeah. not kind of completely. You now they are kind of just names to kind of drop in. Yeah. But I like the two of them in stuff. So I was yeah, kind yeah. of happy enough with that. So uh yeah, I I, I would actually recommend. I really like that. Um who thought? I find I, I mean I've liked Barton Wish this weekend. It's actually kind of disgusting. Um but I'll make, I'll finish on one last one. Um, I watched Gamora, the uh, Matthew Garand film from oh, two thousand yeah. and Jesus eight, uh, which I somehow never seen. Um, seen I'd seen Dogman last year and it was one of my favorite films last year, so I was eager to kind of catch up on previous ones. And Ronan had said to me about Reality, which is also on my list to watch. But Gamora popped up on one of the various movies and it was about to expire, so I said I better watch it. And I watched it, and I absolutely adored it. Um, this is the grimiest of miserable uh, gangster stories, essentially. This is this kind of a... It's like an office from hell levels of working stiffs, making money, capitalist nightmare of... In dog shit buildings in terrible conditions. It's like the worst Amazon factory you could think of uh, a decade ago. Um, and how everybody just... Ultimately, it's just either going to die making money for somebody or slightly live a little longer making money for somebody. And the appalling kind of lack of futures and pasts and families. And it's it's really interesting. And the, there's a real grind to it that's unsettling and really impressive in terms of filmmaking. Like they can see beyond the water, but they can never see themselves beyond the coast where they are, essentially. You know, they walk in these kind of really run down buildings and they go outside and the sun is shining and it's nice. But it's not where they are. There's at one point there's on one of the top of one of the buildings. There's like a, they have a little pool, kind of set up, and there's kids playing around with a ball, and it gives this massive wide shot, 
like looking down on this and you see all the kids playing and then just on the level above on the roof there's three guys walking around who are spotters with guns to make sure something and then across from there there's this ugly looking building that if you glance at it looks like a cruise ship do you know so there's this kind of always kind of awareness of this is a, a world it's not the world yeah uh which is extraordinarily impressive and really immersive in terms of watching something like this you really feel part of it and you're really head is plunged right into it for the whole two, two yeah. and a half hours long or no, it was two hours and 10 15 minutes and it like it it doesn't feel long it feels like a no. real run through it um i really like it uh there's a real uh documentary style to it in terms of the camera work it feels like if you told me it was documentary the first 10 minutes i'd kind of believe you like i mean that goes away kind of quickly as you get used to it but it, yeah. there's that feel of kind of intimacy somebody knows the yeah yeah exactly yeah. um and it's like a forensic eye kind of awareness. If you ever see scenes in, C- in Casino where they're bringing the money out to be counted and the thing, yeah. there's an element of that to it. Like it's kind of, there's accountants and there's thing like everybody's checking and like this is a business. That's at the end of the day, people are meat to the ground, grist to the mill for somebody to make money at the top of it. Like, but and I that's actually here. There's never at any point any real glamour to it. No, there's not. There's nothing. It's it's just it's a shithole yeah. of the highest order. Um, it's really restrained but feels epic. Which is really impressive, I have to say, because I and I like an epic that doesn't show I'm an epic, mm. <laughs> you know, because a lot of them do. Uh, I thought it's ter- absolutely terrific. I loved it, absolutely loved it, and would heartily recommend if it pops up around you. Your girl is a really incredible talent. Like from that to reality and dogma, and both of which I like a little more than this. I do like them a lot, but I think reality and, and dogma. Are well, dogma, up. I think I'd have it measured around the same. Um, and reality, if you're talking as being top tier, I'm oh, I, I'm all over it. Like, wait to see what you think. Of oh man, he's he's a proper filmmaker, though. and I want to watch the Gamora TV show, which I've heard nothing but great things about. So I wanted to watch this first anyway before I get to that, but I've heard really good Was things. He involved in this? I think it's in a kind of executive producer sense. I don't think he's kind yeah, of part yeah, of it, but from what I heard, it's it's really really good. Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll get to it. But uh, that's me for the week. A good horror slash thing week, and probably more next week. I would suspect. As the uh, that time of year winds down, spooky. We all Christmas movies then. Yes, Grace. Christmas Prince. Where are you, Grace? <laughs> Many Christmas princes to come. There's a new one uh, coming in December. Grace is very excited, as am I, sadly, because I've watched it or two and I kind of really like them. I'm hearing there's a new Princess Switch, the Vanessa Hudgens. I thing. haven't seen the what one. Have you seen that? Princess I have Switch? the Princess Switch. Uh, Switch. Oh, I want to see Prince, Prince and Popper. Did you, did you watch the princess with a bit of bake off thrown in there yeah oh. <laughs> did you like it i did like i yeah I did. in the sense yeah, of yeah. an undemanding kind of in, in the sense that i'm definitely watching the next one which adds exactly another same identical prince, right? vanessa Hutchins into the mix i might get on that so i can yeah. get in the sequel i actually i really fall into the christmas movies i'd say there something five, five years ago me would be appalled yeah. ten years ago me would have beat me to death but older me you would shoot you i at least uh, but uh, yeah bring me all the Christmas movies I'm on it podcast gonna get interesting isn't it between points of Guinness and Christmas movies what a what an end of year we have ahead of us right onto the news which there is precious little of uh, oh, no. this week so we can we can jabber on a bit about this um, November in the IFI uh, and there are plenty um, most of the biggest thing of note I guess is the annual French film festival from was a, a really heavy hitter for, hitter for them. 13th to the 24th so it's a yeah, yeah, properly a extended uh, festival 
Um, and yeah, uh, new and classics as per usual. Yeah, it's the a big lineup there. They've got new stuff from Xavier Delan, uh, Bruno Dumont. I'm really interested to see Joan of Arc. Yeah, uh, then portrait of uh, portrait of the art lady of her. Oh, the new Sienna. Yeah, which oh, I, wait. I, I cannot this wait. Has been getting exceptional reviews. I can't wait to see this. And the one I really want to see as well, and I haven't booked bloody tickets yet because I'm an idiot, but uh, is the documentary on uh, Alice Keybosch. Uh, yes. Yeah, which I really yeah, want to yeah. see. Um, and there are, I think, and I think some of her shorts. Yeah, selections of her shorts yeah. will be shown throughout the festival yeah. before features. Which is a great which idea. Really, really which good. you should do that a lot in festivals, yeah, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, it makes absolutely. absolute sense, doesn't it? Like, yeah. So you get to see something for yeah. 10 minutes. Um, and then there will be uh, guests, etc., as per usual. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great lineup. Um, I'm in. As yeah, long as I. There's, a, there's a real assortment of stuff. There's all your, tri- uh, your traditional kind of like mad french comedies i'm not a fan of mad french comedies yeah, i think the they almost french never work for me that typically do very well at the french box i'm not very good rely <laughs> any of scene that kind of cultural specificity yes that as that, a, i'd give as that a non-french that, person as a non-french speaker i just can't relate to comedy should be universal one. yeah but french comedy is very particular i find aka unfunny <laughs> <laughs> which is my original point I just I can't laugh apologies like, for although in fairness I do love Inspector Clouseau although oh. well, let's concede that that's not French in a sense, like, <laughs> yes. but even still I'm going to count it be, for this Jer- conversation Jerry Lewis yeah <laughs> yeah stop it <laughs> one of the greats um, but also in November they have um, and we'll talk about this next week uh, oh. The Irishman yeah uh, on release it, it, it pre kind of Netflix run I guess mm-hmm. uh, so that's open next week we'll we, myself yet. and Ron Nassina Luke I have not you have not got to it yet, yet. Uh, we, we have thoughts we do have thoughts uh, and we'll discuss them when it gets released next week also coming up that we will discuss as well is uh, No Bambox uh, mm-hmm. new film <laughs> which you also have Marriage Story uh, which no come, has made a film which is coming out in a couple of weeks uh, and we will we will talk about that uh, they're also releasing Ken Loach's Sorry We Missed You which is a new release this week so we'll come back to that as well fast forward or indeed don't just wait yeah. you lazy Indeed, yes. And there's also uh, another um, Adam Driver film, uh, The Report, uh, which is a political thing about... Oh, yeah. It's a Scott Z. Burns film. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know much about it, to be okay. quite honest. And The Nightingale, uh, yes, the Jennifer Kent film, which is... Yeah, apparently it's full-on, uh, is the word. Um, a lot of walkouts. A lot of walkouts at a lot of festivals. Um no, I don't think I will catch this report actually. I won't have the chance, unfortunately. Ah, that's, I will catch it. it. Um, and also the two popes, if you're that way inclined. Uh, <laughs> Andy Hopkins <laughs> and Jonathan Price knocking about as uh, Francis and uh, your man. Welshman getting cast. Yeah, well, you know, who doesn't like a Welsh pope? Remember the post- Pope Must Die? Uh, the Robert Coltrane film. No. Famously renamed in America, The Pope Must Die It. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at all relevant to the film it's nonsense it's absolutely nonsense but Robbie Coltrane <laughs> played the Pope I think do they mean died in the Catholic sense hey, <laughs> hey. Pope was deity uh, but uh, yeah it, was, it wasn't very good wow I'm shocked do you remember King Ralph speaking of like English films translating right there's a lot of, like Americans think English films are amazing and think English people are sophisticated so all you need is a fancy house and you're probably guaranteed two I mean, Oscars nominations it, it's a foreign film but it's still in English exactly so. yeah yeah stop it America just stop it go see Irish films for fuck's sake anyway that's uh, that's that's my uh, thing and their uh, bigger picture this month is Blowout the Brian De Palma film 
Yes. Uh, which I really like, but I'm probably not going to see. Because, you know. I can't be arsed. I, mean, I actually haven't seen it relatively recently. Mm. And I don't love it as. Like, I really like it, but I. I like it quite a bit. I guess, still like it. Gets a shout out on one of your top 10 movies. I'll get to that later. No. <laughs> it gets name oh, dropped. God. Oh, it does. Clumsily. No. Oh. We'll get there. Sheesh. Let's move on to the top 10 then, shall we? The excitement. Russell through the bottom tier there. Yeah. <laughs> For speaking of English films that do well in America that nobody gives a shit about, Downton Abbey is at number ten, uh, which has made almost three million euros because we're yeah. Oh man, seven weeks, seven long weeks. Right. I think we discussed that enough. Um, number nine. At number nine, and this is I didn't check this earlier. Now I kind of wish I had. Hocus Pocus? Did they get a re-release? It did, yeah, it's been in loads of cinemas. It sold out the star, I think, and they, they oh, added it's it. It's made 140,000. So well uh, 140,000, which is bonkers. That's remarkable. I really like it. I, I only watched it a few months ago with my niece, who had a great fun with it. Like, yeah. It's I've, good. I've like, it since I was quite, a kid. Yeah. quite like uh, Goosebumps, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. In that that tone. And, and a lot of fun. Like, it's not brilliant, but it's a lot of fun to it's get. It's kind of and the great. for that to make number nine for something that's right? presumably an uncoordinated sort of re-release just popping up for various screenings. Yeah, there you go. 140 oh. grand. Um, There's money in that racket. You might see a lot more of it. That also remember? speaks to the lack of kind of Halloween. That's yes. also about yeah, true, actually. Yeah. Releases. yeah, I think that's probably fair. And you might, I think, I don't know. I worry that increasingly because, you know, Halloween is such a layout, a layup for kind of cheap horror. But all that stuff is going to streaming now, so you might see people just retreating into what they know. More unless, and more uh, you know, the... you know, Fox. Oh, oh yeah, unless it goes to the vault. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the vault. real horror. The real horror is Disney all along. Who knew? Well, we all did. Anyway, we all did. Uh, at number eight, Countdown, which I talked about last week, which is an app that tells you how long you have oh, to not live. Not the game show, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Countdown the movie. Uh, no, uh, it's an app. That you download and it tells you how long you got to live, but then it might become real, so you have to investigate and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's... Okay, I'll qualify. Read the I terms said and conditions. There's no good horror. No, at the uh, no, so there's not. Um, no, but it has made an impressive thirty-eight thousand. Sorry, it wasn't impressive. Uh, I was being funny. Uh, at seven, Zombieland Double Tap. I missed it. I'm probably not going to get to it. At this stage. I'm definitely not going to. I get like Zombieland well enough. I do as well. I think. I think it's reputation has kind of fallen in the time since it's been out mm. and it's far too long for before you bring out a sequel. Yeah, uh, it looks like they kind of hoped to get one of these out quite quick. And <laughs> But the kind, it's kind of, I think, I think it was slightly above expectation at Cinema of the States because it had kind of lowered expectation initially. Mm. So it came out doing okay. But uh, yeah, who t- I saw the trailer. I was like, I'm who sure really needs this? I'm sure it's grand. Yeah, but I'm sure it is. And I'm sure you can tell me in the future, Luke, when you see it. Um, <laughs> At six, and I do want to see this, is uh, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. Uh, great stuff. Um, this has made just over 200,000 in a couple Where of weeks. Where have uh, Because I've been busy around. Have you? Have I? Eh. Get to Shaun. I do love Shaun the Sheep. I do absolutely love it. Uh, I should get to this. I have a feeling it's not going to be as good. Mm, yeah, uh-huh. that's a fair worry, I think. Yeah. And the last Aardman uh, early man is You're desperate. By that, aren't you? Oh, it's, it's, desperate. Not, it's not funny at all oh, in any way, shape, or form. I'm watching on how was our how did Aardman yeah. make this? Yeah, it's not yeah. good. It's not. No, so I'm a little afraid. I think that's probably what it is. That's fair. Um, at five, a bum in the bubble. No, no, 
I I feel like this comes out every two years somehow, and I'm losing. Why isn't this mind. the fifth one? It there's it seems like a DreamWorks film yeah. about Yetis or whatever yeah. the hell comes out at least if once a year. If you told me this is a spin-off of Ice Age, I would absolutely believe. And the the problem with these films is that it's you can pick any known actor from America, and it's like they're probably in there. Chris Rock. It's yeah. always Chris Rock. <laughs> Zendaya David is me too. <laughs> <laughs> Five hundred eighty thousand though in the. In a I thought week, this was the Zendaya is Michi thing, but apparently it's not. I didn't so know I if that no was idea. even a thing. I, I, I'm I'm too old for this kind of stuff. It was another uh, Yeti thing. There's competing Yeti films. <laughs> yeah. My God, what a world! Who thunk it? At four, and Luke, you might have thoughts here. Terminator. Okay, so Dark Fate. Here we go, because I have seen this, and I it was. I think that. Um, there would be a lot of people that would get something out of this. Yes. There's some interesting ideas at play here, and it's obviously an attempt to, at long, long, long last, kind of <laughs> leave the past behind and take this IP that has been shot to shreds forward with some new ideas and new characters. The problem, and I had been saying this on Twitter, the problem with Terminator Dark Fate is that you've got like 10 writers going into this Cameron is a producer in some capacity but obviously his attention is more on Avatar and stuff like that Avatar 7 the director is the Deadpool guy you know so he he can obviously get a blockbuster from he can get it done on time and and all that but I don't think he's particularly good himself no Um, so what you end up with is one of these reboots that is kind of telling you oh we're gonna get to the movie we just have to get all this homework out of the way first you know and the terminator series has been dogged by this problem since 1991 every single time you go into any terminator property it's bogged down by a checklist of is kyle reese in this Where's Sarah Connor? Where's John Connor? What's how can we, how can we up to? Wreck uh, on this to make what it work. What timeline are we in? Yeah. You know, did 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 Judgment Day happen? Did it not happen? And the frustrating thing about this is that it it has a very good idea right off the bat, which says that we're in a completely new timeline. You know, it spoilers for Dark Fate, but it opens with it opens just after Terminator Two. Um, John and Sarah are away on some um, sunny beach, and another Terminator, another Arnie Hang comes on. up. I need to ask a question here. Sure, sure, sure. If it opens just after Terminator Two, do we get digitally de-aged? Yes. Sarah Connor. Yes. Do we get Edward Furlong? Uh, we get a child with his face CGI'd on it, and an impression. What world is fun. this? And then we, then we oh, get a de-aged Arnie. No. Um, so it, it does a very bold thing to completely move away from that timeline okay. into something else right away. And I was like, right, okay. And yet, where, what's Hurricane up to? What's that Terminator doing in the future? Like, it's, it's bogged down by all that at every turn where you're actually... And it's a shame because the new characters that it sets up are quite engaging. You've got Mackenzie Davis coming kind of into the, the present day from an alternate future she's a human that's been kind of augmented and she has got to hmm. protect a new um kind of young woman that's being 
chased down by Terminators. Yeah. Who's played by Natalia Reyes, who I saw earlier this year in Birds of Passage. Oh and yeah. I'm kind of. I'm looking at her like you. You. You know. You. If you see a, an old school friend and you're both in the queue for the doll and you're like, how do we get here? <laughs> What's going on? Is, I'm hoping there's a good paycheck. But they're, they're like she's good. Uh, Davis is good. You're the. They do some. They they get those characters and their yeah context on the page. You're good to go. First act. It doesn't waste a lot of time. And then you get more homework and you're like. Well, we were good to go. We we had it. We had a setup. Yeah. What, uh, you know, Sarah Connor has to come in, and I don't want to be too down on it because, like Ham- Hamilton is great. Be down on it. I'm not seeing it. So she, she, she's she's very good. Uh, you know, Arnie's on the poster, so it's not a spoiler to say that he's involved. No, I, I don't. He's think that's very the... good in what he's doing in this. Yeah. Um, that's all fine. It's just it. The two parts don't really work together, and even thematically. You've got one hand is going over the same old shit as as ever about there's no fate but what we make for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And with the older characters, they're actually doing something slightly different, which is what do you actually do once your fate has been and gone? But they don't really go together thematically. And that's probably because the director has no real sense of how to do things thematically, which is fine. It's an action movie. It's Terminator. It's dumb as hell. Yeah. But the action in this is terrible. Yeah. The, and I was like, "This and is it's fine." That yeah, bit, like, I was I like, mean, "This is fine. I can work with this." But the action is really, really bad. You know, yep. you, lots of close-ups. There's no shot that kind of holds for longer than two or three seconds no, at most. No, no. The the set pieces that it goes through, you've seen before, done much better. You know, you're on a highway again. You know, you're in a plane that's crashing in the middle of kind of chaos and all this, and it's ugly to look at and janky and, and not engaging at all and it wastes these these kind it, it wastes these characters that it presents is it is the time to stop making terminator films who where is the enthusiasm for these who cares like every time one comes out it's like oh okay we there's like a checklist like with james cameron yeah. saying this is the one check we have Ter- arnie coming back check now we've got you know um, it has been and coming back check. worn into the ground and every time they're like no 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 but seriously this is the one and after two hours of this, they're like, no, we promise you. And it's like the the movies, ha- I say this with, with like the amazing Spider-Man, the, the Andrew Garfield movie had this problem. A lot of reboots have this problem where it's like, just trust us, we're getting there. It's like the movie's happening now. You have yeah. to reboot the thing in the first five minutes, <laughs> you know, because this is the movie. This is the shot. Uh, like Amazing Spider-Man was like give us three movies and we'll have it sorted and like they didn't get it <laughs> that's too much to ask so like Casino Royale um, which is you know it, it's, it's an enjoyable film but the best thing that that does is within the first two minutes goes this is the direction and off we're going it doesn't ask you to wait around you know it's why can't all films do that like it's not difficult I, I think they, they there's a they, worry about fan reaction yeah, yeah. and you know if, fan reaction like if, if, fans don't know what they want nobody knows what they want no but well this is the thing I don't know that anyone is going into these films with a checklist going well if they don't say you know I'll, I'll be, be back, back then I'm out like, you're better off leaving that? all that who at this wants point? that somebody that's 65 years of age that went to see Terminator in the cinema in 1984 so I getting, mean it doesn't matter you're, you're getting the same copy of Terminator 2 over and over and over again I don't even like Terminator 2 which is on like to be honest I like I, I like Terminator 2 it does lose me kind of three or four or nine hours in but if you're going to reboot <laughs> Terminator and I've, I've, I've said this elsewhere 
Surely the move is to strip everything away and go back to the first one and go back to the, the I mean the problem I suppose with, with a lot of blockbusters is what kind of Cameron and others legacy has left behind which is what this is what a big movie has to be yes. you, and Cameron took Alien and he took his own film Terminator which were small kind of thrillery um, stories and blew them up into a big thing and then how do you and follow them you, you can't go back to something smaller but I think that something like this would really benefit from that and also it'd save you a fucking fortune and also if you don't you if can you take can't direct, if something costs if you can't direct action that's okay if you're doing something a lot smaller but no no it's I'm, I think that the the kind of the characters that it the new characters that it adds are I think they'll catch on with, with, with people some people and I think I, I did enjoy Hamilton. I did enjoy Schwarzenegger. There's one line that he gets in this that made me hell with laughter because he's he's always had very good comedic timing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But it just it's all these pieces that no one has any knowledge or interest or desire to put together, and they're just kind of thrown at you. It's an Terminator. What about this one? Will it make money? What about will, the next one? Will anybody one? make another one? Will, does anybody care? Like, has anybody cared about a Terminator film in twenty years? Like? Every one of them comes out dog shit. Everybody knows the art. You can smell it often when you see a trailer. Like. But they can, though. You know, everybody's odd. This, every, no, everybody knows it's not going to be the one. Because yeah. there's too much world. There's too much of everything in it. Like You have to be all right. You either junk it or junk the whole thing. Yeah. You have to junk the world to start again or else junk the whole franchise. Because yeah. nobody cares. Like. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to see it. It was not great. But oh, okay. I don't know. You didn't, you didn't hate possible. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I was disappointed because I th- I did like some of the ideas. It just doesn't use them very well. Yeah. Such is life. Uh, at three, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, this is getting shocker reviews, considering a how much money Maleficent made, and that people generally kind of liked it. Um, generally, Luke, and has Michelle Pfeiffer, and it looks dreadful. I saw a trailer for it. Oh my God, it looks abominable. Uh, it's made half a million and so it's still a kind of Disney money maker like everything is because they own everything I mean there's not even good Disney released this week and the four in the top ten it's probably made enough money that they will go yep green light Aladdin 2 Lion King 2 it makes my brain hurt anyway at two The Addams Family uh, which is weirdly an animated film which I thought would have worked better as live action but how do I know a quarter of a million it's made Um, yeah and when we came out, I mean, I might hang about for a while. There's nothing, not, not a lot that's going on. Break. Midterm, yeah, so, yeah. slightly Halloween y kind of thing. I'll probably do okay in this review. It, the animation looks dreadful. Yes. It looks like Flash animation. Yeah. It's very bad. It's like when you look at those kind of algorithm produced YouTube I, videos. I actually kind of don't mind the designs because the designs look relatively close to the yeah, kind yeah, of original yeah. um, newspaper strip kind of thing. But obviously, no one involved is like, let's make it move like a you know classic animation. No, no, no nobody would do that. It's just let's make it look like a, a cheap knockoff animation in the last decade. Like minions, yeah, stop, with less money. Just stop, stop doing it. At one, and Luke, bear in mind, I don't want to listen to twenty minutes on this. I won't I will kill you. I don't think I have twenty minutes. I don't. Okay. Is Joker, which has been in the top ten at number one for four weeks. It's made five point yeah. one million. I will be dead before this leaves the top 10 at this rate. What do you got, Luke? Here we are, the first person to have seen it on the podcast. And the last, probably. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. fine. It's... it. The, the, the thing about Joker is that for all the bullshit and for all the... And there's been a lot. And, and that, 
at the end of the day, this is a comic book character um, it, that lends itself to blockbusters and it's utterly safe. You know, for all for all the hysteria about how it's going to inspire shooting, and it's, and it's yeah. you know, it's going to it's, it's it, inspired gentrification of anything. <laughs> Apparently, uh, people dancing on those steps yeah. and that. You Come know, to the Bronx. We look after you. <laughs> there, there is nothing in this that, like, to 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 whip up that kind of anger deliberately. Um, that's all in the marketing. That's not oh, in course. the actual film at yeah. all. And even the oh, it's inspired by Scorsese movies of the 70s or kind of films like that. That's all veneer. You know, it it looks vaguely the like those the films. It, yeah, it, there's a bit of network in there. There's a bit of this, there's a bit of that. But it's certainly not inspired by those any more than, like, Domi Sauce is inspired by Goodfellas. <laughs> it's marketing. This looks like a serious film. Therefore... It's go see it, you know. It's it's got something to say. It has nothing to say, and it has no interest in saying anything. I mean, the, this is the movie directed by the Hangover guy, but it's more pressingly a movie directed by the Hangover two and three guy. This is a guy that and knows Judas. that. But he, this is a guy that knows that if he plays it safe and if he does exactly what your vague idea of what a Joker movie would be, it will make millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, it will top the box office worldwide. And that's a good for th- thing for him. That's a good thing for the studio. Everybody wins. It's not offensive. It's it's not very exciting. It's not very engaging. You know, if this is a film that purports to be about mental illness with no interest or knowledge of mental illness. It's a film that purports to be about the ills of society with no real understanding of where they come from or how they affect real people. It's just vaguely gesturing at these things for like two hours. It doesn't drop the ball on any of it because it's holding onto that ball really, really, really tightly. <laughs> you know, this sounds really depressing, Luke. In the sense, like you're saying, it's grand, but like it was a bit depressing. But miserable. Keep in mind, how many years ago was was Suicide Squad, where it's like I'm going to try to do something really radical and and edgy and dangerous with the character, and it was horrible, <laughs> horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible. Yeah, uh, like on sc- money though. on screen. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. And you can make you can make more money if you don't turn anyone off. Yeah, the, the people coming right. into this that uh, would be put off if it said anything too dangerous are going to be placated, and the people coming into it raring to go, you know, uh, ready to to kind of um, champion it, get just enough that they're satisfied. Can I ask a question though? Sure. How the fuck did this win Venice? And get five star reviews from people that, in theory, should know better. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, confessing uh, people, uh, you it's know, because it's serious and it has Joaquin Phoenix. It's not even like it's Joaquin Phoenix doing bits and bobs from stuff he's done better. Kind of a before. bit of the master, a bit of you never really and, hear. Yeah, and by the time you get to the end of it, where he kind of goes fully off the deep end, it veers from being a grand performance. It is grand. It you know, it's he, what he does. Yeah into being a bad performance (laughs) and my biggest issue with this is that with this character and with this source material if you were trying to do anything surely this would be a dark comedy Mm. you know like the king of comedy has been mentioned as an inspiration for this but again that's in the vague shape of Robert De Niro has a talk talk show show you know they're they're 
are so few laughs in this or even you know even dark laughs because if the movie went for a dark laugh well, we might upset somebody and that's two or three so it's the veneer of, of a dark comedy without exactly. actually having any dark absolutely comedy. So no, teeth. no teeth whatsoever okay. um and a gummy joker yeah <laughs> i mean he gets he gets kicked around a lot his, his mouth gets bloodied up a lot you know um but there's there's really nothing there um no real ideas of its own it's exactly as i suspected it is it's um, it's fine like you people will come into this they'll come out of it and they'll either go that was really good or that was not very good but there's no ambition to 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 carry their way it's product again that's that makes me feel really miserable about filmmaking in general in hollywood but anyway that's you know it's another day's but argument. It, i i think if this were more honest about being a blockbuster it wouldn't feel as depressing yeah yeah yeah. it's the pretense that, that this it's a serious art as well an arty film or a genre film or you know a kind of a nastier kind of a thing um somebody like say david fincher for example would look at this screenplay which is most i know the screenplay was kind of pillory kind of before the film came out as as dreadful what ends up on screen is very obvious but again fine serviceable yeah and i think that somebody like fincher or, or anybody really that had an interest in approaching this material and digging something out of it could do that and could find a sick sense of humor in it and could find something to say yeah this is a film that has really nothing to say and will just kind of uh, you know at the end it's like well if i throw in a monologue i've said something technically yeah <laughs> you know we I mean live i could in... monologue here it doesn't mean anything as you say it's what you would have thought going in we live in a society what do you know what did we fuck luke uh great thanks for that that that's i'm not seeing oh i wasn't seeing it anyway but jesus it's fine no 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 um all right let's move on to new releases speaking of cheery uh fear <laughs> Uh, we got a uh, Doctor Sleep, which is I guess is the major release of the week in the context of Halloween, and it's coming out tomorrow, I think, uh, which is the thirty first. Um, all one hundred and fifty three minutes of it. Um, this is kind of retrofit, kind of quasi sequel, shining book movie hybrid that you didn't know you wanted, and you probably don't. Maybe it depending looks on the more reviews. Like an adaptation of the sequel to the book than a sequel to the film in that Kubrick didn't bother going for any of the more overtly supernatural things. I mean, they're obviously yeah. all in there, but he didn't have too much interest the, in them. The marketing, though, is very much remember the movie. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the two kids really standing in the hallway? There's, yeah. Here they are. There's such a strange tension and between that. It's, that's so, like, poor, poor Stephen King. I mean, he's he lives in a Duckburg mansion, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> he obviously... Um, hated uh, Kubrick's Shining, and you know to to the point that he wrote Doctor Sleep, <laughs> and, and to the point that he uh, did his own TV. Show. Yeah, yes. the, the the miniseries, and which that. didn't fare it up. But you know he writes this book, which is a continuation of which his not, superior work. It's not and a, bad a book. refutation like, of of the film. Like it's a classic Stephen King 
alcoholic. It's really good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Um, but but then, it's very different. It's yeah. very good in different ways. Yeah. Then they adapt it for the screen, and it's like the movie The Shining is great, isn't it? He's probably Which like, oh, came, come on, King has a producer on it, an executive producer. So, yeah. so like, he must have had a sense of what was coming. Uh, Flanagan, Flanagan has a. Flanagan's a good has got, director. He's got a bit of previous. Kind of. He's done the House Haunted Hill stuff on Netflix, and he's done. Gerald's game adapted to Stephen King. Yeah, which too, I really which liked. I really liked too. Yeah, um, and really enjoyed. So, but they're at a certain scope. They are, and it and it forces you into certain choices. I think. Yeah, and my worry about this, like I I love The Shining, but The Shining is the kind of movie that they the the, the shape of movie that they don't make anymore. No, and what I worry about with this is that it looks like they are retrofitting the iconography of. The Shining and, and of King kind of stories into an action adventure, <laughs> and it's like thing. you can have your bit of nostalgia and you can have a bit yeah, of new stuff yeah. and you kind of it's like, and it's one hundred and fifty three minutes long, which is seems like a mistake. It's longer than The Shining, and The Shining is not short. Like The Shining is like an hour and two hours and fifteen something. Yeah, like, yeah. like you know, what are you doing? They were nice and thrifty, ninety minute low budget. Grimy, I mean, that's probably because this is this is its own movie. <laughs> This I is its own movie plus bits from The Shining. So <laughs> you could that have accounts a, for the length. You could have had a couple of flashbacks that lasted about two minutes just to give the sense of it. Like. As long as this clears the bar of being better than The Shining bit in Ready Player One. <laughs> That's all. I, I never saw Ready for. Player One. Uh, I saw. I stumbled upon it a little yeah. while ago on uh, Sky Movies and I watched about five minutes of it. Oh, that, that's way more than you need. And I was stunned that the name Senor Spielbergo was on this because <laughs> it looked like one of the worst things I have ever seen. The, to, it'll make you despair all the more as if you needed any more impetus at capitalism, but there is a shining bit in it. That's I haven't seen that, and I've heard that. I'm not going to watch it no. because I don't want to do that to myself. No. I, uh, and I don't watch the film because of, for the same reasons. <sighs> anyway. Uh, also about this week is After the Wedding which is a remake of the Susan Beer uh, film which Ronan I think you've the Danish film and it's gone back quite a few years yeah, ago yeah that, that came out years and years and years ago uh, Susan Beer's stuff has previously been uh, sort of taken over and, and made again in America Jim Sheridan did Brothers back in about 2010 maybe, yeah which was an okay wasn't as good as Get Richard I Trying though no yeah, her, I think her stuff is generally quite adaptable. Uh, Michelle Williams and Julianne Moore yeah. and Billy Crudup, who's a fine actor. Uh, that's might, a really good might well be cast. I don't think so, but I, I hope <laughs> so. But I I read a little bit about it today. Um, it's been snuck into cinemas a little bit, and yeah. we always worry when I haven't seen any ads, I haven't seen anything yeah. about it really. Yeah. Uh, with a, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it'll suit better on kind of home viewing kind of territory. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's on a huge amount of screens either. So, second one of those for more this year because Gloria Moore was. Uh, oh, the remake of Gloria, yeah, 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 yeah. the the Smash Letter film, yeah, that's right. Moore is having a bit of a they probably picked bit of a mare. Gloria's supposed to be quite good. That's what I've, I've, I've not seen it. It could, it could have good reviews. I, I didn't see it. People like Julia Moore though. Well, yeah, they do. And as the Y, but you she know, right. she does get a bit of a leeway. Yeah, she gets a pass. I mean, that's fine. That she's she's been great in a lot of stuff for a long time. Um. Okay. Undoubtedly, the best release this week. Uh, by some distance. <laughs> Considering I can see what's coming after this one, I I can I feel confident saying that this is the best release this week. Uh, is um Ken Loach and Paul Laverty's uh, Sorry We Missed You, uh, which myself and Ronan saw uh on the screen in uh, about a week or so ago, mm-hmm. and I can't speak for Ronan, but I 
find myself thinking about it oddly at odd times. I think we both lapped it up. Quickly. Yeah, I, we there was tears. Um, I remarkably, I at the weekend, I think before Manus, the um, the trailer for this came on, and I burst into tears just the memory of the film. Mm. It's it's one of those things. Listen, it this, just has that yeah. kind of emotional anchor in me that if it if I think back to it. Yeah. I'm really upset all over again. I mean, this is Loach in I, Daniel Blake form, and that that's both a positive and somewhat a negative if that didn't quite work for you, which I there's people that were like, and it, it suffers in a couple of ways from similar problems that that has. It's not a perfect film. I think no. there's, there's in both I, Daniel Blake and in this, there's a third act overkill, for want of a better kind of phrase, that it's unnecessary. The work has already been done. Yes. Uh, but the point is hammered home. And maybe, I, I discussed this wrong when we come out of the cinema, maybe in, in their kind of listless times, mm-hmm. overkill is the only way to get the message across. Yeah, you have yeah. to hit people with a hammer. With a, and that's kind of fair enough. And so I think people are so unwilling to have any empathy that you really need to force And maybe Loach is like, I don't, if this, if I suffer slightly on reviews, it'll be yeah. worth it for the getting the point across. And maybe yeah. there's an element of that. I think there is. I think he's not He's not a moron in terms of what films get, or he knows exactly what he's doing. Because I think it's quite clear. I think if you emerge from this film not feeling for the plight of this family, yeah. you are an actual yeah. monster. Yeah. It's a, literally a story about the gig economy and a family that her the dad takes on a job as a driver, a white van driver, delivering stuff, and it's essentially a franchise, is how it's described as. Self-employed. And yeah, so you've everything is tagged and checked and thing and it's exhausting and it's long hours and then the the impact that has on the family and his wife who's a nurse I think or works in the hospital on anyway contract, yeah. yeah and she they sell the car to the hire the van so she has to get buses to work and, it, and so it just does that thing that loads does where it turns the screw mm-hmm. kind of slowly yeah. in that kind of desperately uncaring red tape sense that, but, yeah, it's possible. and it's it's Listen, if you like Loach, you'll lap this up, and it's it's and that's not to, um, to take anything from it. I think it's extremely powerful, extremely well made, impeccably researched by Laverty. I've yeah. no doubt. Um, I really, really liked it. It and it's it's very harrowing at points, and it's beautifully acted by Loach. Finds these actors, and I I like <laughs> anytime you watch a film, is there's three or four people in that you've yeah, yeah. never seen before, or anything, and there's like why aren't these and everything. Yeah. Because he just pulls performances from you these kind of completely th- immersed in this family life, which yeah. is what makes it so effective. I, these I, terrible things happen to them. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And again, and not to kind of harp on but in these troubled times kind of stuff, but this is the kind of film that people should go and see. And I, like, it will get an art house yeah. run in the way that his films tend to do. Does it explain what money is? It doesn't have a scene per se. <laughs> if it doesn't, I'll get confused. You, you don't even want to know. <laughs> I will get uh, I'll get him to shoot a little pre-money slot so you'd you be, you be grand we, we'll, we'll podcast extra and explain to Luke what money is <laughs> be exchanged for goods or services I can't. I've heard this stop it I kind of do too we may report back yeah. put it into our slotty Ronan <laughs> Jay and I are going to get very drunk to watch the Ronan started as Gotti Slotty and there's uh, <laughs> the Gotti Slotty the Slotty uh, we're calling it so Diana's lined it's up for a it. recommendation from Jay or indeed a wider field uh, where I just get pissed and watch something that I would not <laughs> yeah, so Diana is kind of lined up regular soonish. Yeah, yeah, yeah Diana seems fair you'll never be able to look at Meryl the same way again that's all I'll say oh god oh no what a, what a disappointment oh wow I'm definitely watching this again <laughs> I'm on it oh, actually I'm away this again but if I wasn't I'd be on it um, okay next Brittany runs a marathon uh this is one of these hilarious outgoing American comedies. Yeah, this that's is this probably not good. Popped up in trailers over the weekend, and it 
absolutely screams Sundance Arch comedy. Yeah, it's I don't know much about it except that somebody runs a marathon. Yeah. Uh, starring Gillian Bell, who I do quite like, um, and starring also uh, Patch Dara, whoever he is. <laughs> Just wanted to say the name. Sorry, I have no idea who he is, and I suspect I won't hear from him again. Gave me a bit of impression, to be honest, that it might just be a badly cut trailer. Which happens a lot, particularly with comedies, but if all the jokes are in there. Yeah, um, I don't know whether it's any good or not. I'm probably not going to find out. Yeah, we'll put that on Grace to watch this week. Yes. Uh, she, she, she's good for that. Um, Grace, off you go. Yeah, enjoy, uh, Grace. And last and certainly least, uh, the Aeronauts. <laughs> Luke, your face. If we could only have you on video for that. Your uh, head nearly dropped onto the desk. Yeah, I've been uh, conspicuously overlooking emails inviting me to, oh, I bet you have to, to screeners I seen him throw his phone in the river earlier to avoid this. it looks so good but it has an aeronaut and Eddie Redmayne in it I think what everything you that you need to know about this comes from the fact that it is a historical epic based off of two characters only one of whom is actually real <laughs> the uh this, the Felicity Jones character in this is not a real person. <laughs> they've, they've thrown her in to kind of... Have a love story. Well, and to keep you from having to watch two hours of Eddie Redmayne, which two... In fair, fairness, though, it's 100, it 100 minutes. Criminal. It's an hour and 40, so it's not too bad. That's too many minutes. It is. No, it is. It, one minute is too much. Uh, he, Eddie Redmayne play, plays James Glacier, uh, to, who... Uh, I'm not. I'm not reading it, lads. You can find it yourself. It looks. It looks there's, awful. There's an episode of The Simpsons. You know where Troy McClure gets into his <laughs> fantabulous flying machine. That's yeah. what this fucking. I saw the trailer of this and it's like I. I don't like Eddie Redmayne. This I, looks I like, don't know anybody that likes Eddie Redmayne. No, this looks like one of those like things that have been dug out of the the, the Disney vault for their streaming. Yeah, it does. Service. They all have the titles. Like did a cheapo. The, did you see the the, 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 the like, parody account that yeah, yeah, got yeah, the yeah. spoof ones? That's that's what this sounds like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Fantabulous Eddie Redmayne and his flying balloon. Flying like, crapping machine. Yeah, stop it, Eddie. Like, I don't know anybody who's a good word to say about him, bless him. No. No, no, no. I did kind of enjoy his performance in uh, the Jupiter, yeah, Jupiter Ascending, Ascending because he's just screaming loudly. And it's kind of fun in that heightened Label. weirdness world. I think he shied away from that so much. He went completely the other way. I think he doesn't like that performance and like, no, I can assure it it's that's, the, it's that's the, your, it's that's the that's only good thing you've spot. ever done and I put good in small letters not caps I've hated almost everything I've yeah seen same here so. uh, I, I'm not saying I want him to die but I want, I'm just saying <laughs> that Jesus Christ. I never want to see him in anything <laughs> ever ever again that's all I'm no, saying I'm just saying he might if he doesn't retire immediately <laughs> you said it wrong no, I didn't Pushing say that out uh, out of, get out of the balloon Eddie get out of the balloon you son of a bitch uh, yeah James so well, we need to lose some ways will we add that to Grace's list this week yes thanks. Grace enjoy the aeronauts this might be uh, one of those pieces of garbage I end up seeing so you, I can, Luke I look forward to having you back either next week or before we got and you spent 25 minutes talking I can about. send a right in um. please do <laughs> I'm going to read out Luke's right in it's 4,000 words <laughs> mostly expletives <laughs> actually you will go I have a feeling you'll go see it you're a How sucker for this kind of stuff I mean I know I said that I wouldn't see it, but he's in a higher balloon. <laughs> you sucker. <laughs> you're such a sucker. You know that? And we love you for it. Don't think we don't. Yes. Because you're doing the spade work that myself and Ronan clearly won't do. Clearly. Well, maybe he'll be flying in his balloon past the cinema that's showing blowout 
In, in, thus implying that the film you're watching now is also a serious <laughs> film. Oh, God help you. You're a, you're a trooper, Luke. I don't think we Sucker, don't appreciate it. I think it's what you meant to say. Yes, maybe. It ends in the R anyway, that's all yes. we know. Anyway, that was fantastic, lads. Thank you very much. Uh, I will see you in on at another week, another time, where we'll discuss the uh, aeronauts in graphic detail. <laughs> graphic <laughs> detail. Like You'll be discussing the that in graphic detail with the police well indeed <laughs> I will sorry questions. Eddie Eddie Redmayne has disappeared that dead threat from Eddie Redmayne oh god I think Ooh. that's the point to finish that out. there you go bye bye, bye. bye.